Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 111. Today our topic is the Holy Spirit. Who or what is this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God? Why is it so important? I mean, why did Jesus not do a thing, never even began his ministry? No healing, no teaching, no reaching out, no disciples. Nothing happens until the Holy Spirit comes and fills them. What is all that about? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be looking at Jesus' baptism, where he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, thinking about the Spirit in our lives and what that means for us. You know, we've just finished celebrating Christmas and which, of course, is all about the birth of Jesus. And the scripture is quite silent on, you know, 30 years go by, really, before we hear of Jesus again. I mean, there's one incident when he's 12, when he gets lost. But apart from that, the scripture is quite silent about Jesus' youth. And so after the... Christmas narratives, all the writers in the gospel start to talk about the ministry, when his outreach, his teaching, his healings and everything began, which is about, he's 30 years old. And when he's 30 years old, before anything begins, he's baptized in the Jordan River by cousin John the Baptist. Now, we've spoken about John the Baptist a lot, so I'm not going to take uh, this teaching to go into all of what he did, but very briefly, John, cousin John, is called to really get people ready for the new thing that God was about to do. And so John was a, he was a, a preacher out in the wilderness, and he would call people back to being faithful and say, God's about to do a new thing. If you're open, if you're interested, if you're ready as a sign that you're open to God, come and be baptized in the Jordan River. And they would come in their droves, you know. Um, It was very, very successful that way. It's like that old Christmas carol, you know, let every heart prepare a room. Yeah, people are saying, not everyone, of course, but many people were saying, yeah, we... We do want to know what God's doing. and we, we want to be open to this new thing. What is God going to do? Yeah, count me in. I want to be baptized. I'm open. I'm interested. And uh, so the text tells us that John would baptize people, which the word, by the way, just means immerse. He would baptize people in water in the Jordan River as a sign that they were open to whatever God wanted to do. And John said, well, I'm baptizing you with water, which is a great thing, but there's one coming. He's talking about Jesus. There's one coming who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I'm sure nobody really knew what that meant because that never really happened before not in the way that it was going to happen with Jesus. So John's saying, I'll I'll baptize you. I'll immerse you in water. Come on down to the river. I will immerse you in water and let this be a sign 
of a new beginning, a fresh start, a sign that you're open and you're ready for this new one that's coming into the world. But when he comes, he's going to immerse you with the Holy Spirit. So we're picking up the story of Jesus with uh, he's uh, standing by the side of the Jordan River. Nothing's happened yet, right? There's no ministry, no outreach, no teaching. John's a little bit hesitant to baptize him. It's like John saying, um, you know, I'm not really worthy to untie his sandals. I mean, who am I compared to Jesus? What, why would he need to be baptized anyway? I mean, I'm calling unfaithful people back to being faithful. And, and he's already open and he's already committed to God and he doesn't need any forgiveness, right? I mean, I'm down here at the river preaching forgiveness of sins. What, what, he doesn't need forgiveness. He doesn't need to, you know, <laughs> repent, however you want to say it. Be faithful. He's already faithful. Why, 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 does he, why is he coming to me? Well, apparently, apparently there's more to being baptized than forgiveness. Because Jesus insists and he says, no, no, this is fitting. This is fitting. Go ahead. Go ahead. Baptize me. And in front of everyone who was present, Jesus is immersed by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And when he gets up out of the water, several things happen. The heavens open up. God speaks. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Pay attention. And the part I'm concentrating on today is, and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, like a dove. So I'm thinking if it's like a dove, like a dove it's maybe like gently coming down. Now, by the way, normally things like this did not happen when John the baptized, baptizer was baptizing everyone else in the Jordan River. The, the heavens certainly didn't open up and the Holy Spirit didn't send. So there's something different here. Baptism. was very important to Jesus that before he does anything, he wants to be baptized. Before he teaches, before he heals, before he chooses his disciples, he wants this Holy Spirit presence. Now, the Holy Spirit, remember, remember John the Baptist says, when Jesus comes, he's going to immerse you. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I'm baptizing you in water to get you ready. But when Jesus comes, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The reason that this is significant for us is because is we're the ones that he's going to baptize in the Holy Spirit. That's why it's, this is why it's a great text for us. So this Holy Spirit must be the most neglected aspect of God, don't you think? Because for many of us, it's like, well, what is all this about? Well, the Holy Spirit, it may surprise you, but the Holy Spirit has been around from the beginning of time. You look in the first chapter of Genesis, the first couple verses of the scripture, and you hear mention of the Holy Spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit just doesn't appear in Jesus' baptism. The Holy Spirit has always been, always been. In fact, the Hebrew word is ruach. And, well, actually, I could say the Holy Spirit, uh, we first see her in the second verse of the scripture. We could actually use the feminine form for the Spirit because ruach in the Old Testament Hebrew scripture is feminine form. Not that I believe that God is female, Neither do I believe that God's male. I think that God's God and way beyond any categories or genders that we could come up with. But I do like to mention that. I like to mention that, you know, she hovers on the waters at the beginning of the scripture, at the beginning in Genesis, before creation, before anything was. There she is. In Genesis, in a beautiful, poetic way, the writer speaks about the Holy Spirit coming and hovering upon the places of the deep, the darkness, before order is brought into the world, where everything is formless and void. Nothing's happened yet, but there she is hovering, and I think there's another little image of that dove again. She's hovering on the waters and then God starts to speak order into disorder and the creation begins. Ruach, what is it? Spirit, God's energy, God's presence, breath, life force, all of these things uh, is contained in the word Ruach. Yeah, so... From the very beginning, the Spirit was there, uh, bringing, you know, order out of chaos. And however you imagine the beginning of time, there's a lot of room there in how you like to talk about that, think about that, speak about that, because the poetry of Genesis is wide open to how you would like to think about the beginning of time. So there she is first mentioned in Genesis verse 2. And next time we hear about the Spirit, it is in regard to Joseph. Joseph as in the one with the multicolored coat, right? Not Joseph as in Mary Joseph Christmas story. This is thousands and thousands of years before this. This is Joseph with the coat of many colors. And the text tells us that the Spirit gives... Joseph, a special gift of dream analysis and interpretation, which comes in very, very handy because he ends up getting out of prison because of that. So it's a very, very handy gift. And the next time we hear about the Holy Spirit, it's uh, the Spirit coming upon an artist, a genius artist, Betzalel. You've probably not heard of him. This one's a new one for me. Betzalel, he's given creative genius to make beautiful things for the tabernacle in Exodus. Now, the tabernacle was, was uh, before God was uh, viewed uh, in churches or sanctuaries or temples or whatnot, there would be a tent of meeting, and that was called the tabernacle. 
And this artist was infused or anointed or filled, however you want to talk about it, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's given this creative genius to make beautiful things for the temple. So there we are. We're in Genesis. We've just gone to Genesis and Exodus, first couple books, and already the Spirit is at work, calling everything into existence that wasn't there before. In fact, it's interesting, once you see this pattern, whatever the Spirit is, she's birthing something new. Next time we hear about the Spirit is a few hundred years later on, we hear about a group called the Prophets. And prophets uh, were men and women, and they're still around in the world today. But in the, in the Old Testament, the prophets were empowered with the Spirit to have a little bit savvy about what's going on in the world and read the signs of the times very well. They could read the signs of the times accurately. They could look around, see what was true, see what was false, and, they could, and then they would say, okay, this is the way God sees our country today, or this particular monarch, or this type of government, or whatever it would be, whatever's going on in individuals' lives. The prophets had the job of speaking truth into every situation, wherever they found it, as the Spirit led. What a great gift, eh? Yeah. Well, if you're interested in it, you can read more about that in the New Testament and Corinthians because it's still up and going and operational. So there's, the, there's the, the Holy Spirit. There's a little bit brief history of the Holy Spirit because, um, yeah, obviously, you know, people need help and the Spirit would come upon the prophets and help them give them what they need. The next time we hear about the Spirit, it is... Oh, and another thing the prophet said was, one is coming. A Spirit is coming that will transform people's hearts. Give them the ability to be faithful and stay on track. Because you know how people have this... You know, we see this all throughout the Scripture... Yes, I'm really serious. Yes, I really want to be faithful. And then they get scared. Then it's like, oh, no, they can't be faithful. Or, yes, I really, really want to trust God. Then something happens. Oh, well, then they're not trusting God anymore. I mean, this pattern of back and forth and back and forth. Yes, I'm really interested in God. No, I'm getting distracted with other things. I mean, it's just all over the First Testament. So next time we see the Spirit, of course, is when Jesus appears on the scene. Obviously, people have a lot of trouble trusting an unseen God, which I think is really the whole point of Christmas in a way, is to address this. So it's like Jesus is born. It's like God saying, okay, obviously people have a lot of trouble trusting me. They can't see me. So I will take on a human body and I will walk among them and I will talk so they can see me, so they have a chance of trusting me. So it's like, what is God really like? Well, what is Jesus like? Well, how should we live in this world? How did Jesus live in the world? 
What was important to Jesus? Well, learning how to forgive, yeah, and healing people and bringing in excluded people and yeah, yeah, all these things. How do we know what God is like? We look at Jesus and how he was with people around him, how he treated people, what he taught, what he told us about God. In fact, really, everything, well, not everything, but the, the most of what we know really comes through Jesus, the, the Christ lens. I mean, if you would take Jesus out of my teachings, I wouldn't really have a whole lot to say because it's all coming. It all revolves around Christ, which I suppose is why we're called Christians, right? We're following the Christ. So anyway, back to the text. The first thing that Jesus does before he does anything is this baptism. He models for us, it's really like a reliance on the Spirit. I mean, he doesn't just appear when he's 13 and say, okay, let's get going, let the healing begin, let's go, people. Before he does anything, he stops. So he's in a receptive state. It's like, no, no, I'm not going to start anything. I need to be sure that I have everything I need before I begin my task. I need to begin with baptism. I need to begin with a filling of the Spirit. So before he does anything, he stops. Now, this is very difficult for most of us. He's modeling a reliance on his Heavenly Father that is difficult for many of us because he's got an openness and a receptivity. It's like, yes. Father, whatever way you're leading, give me what I need. In comparison to us, many of us would say, okay, I've got a task to, to do. Let's get going. Here's the plan. Let's get going. Let's start on this. Let's move on this. And it's really only when we're blocked, when, when we're blocked and when we can't move forward, that it's like if we're praying people, that would be when we would start to say, oh God, well, what's wrong here? I, I don't know, this, is, this idea isn't working out. My plan isn't, isn't working out the way I want it to work out. Can you help me here? I'm feeling stuck, I'm feeling blocked. See, there's none of that with Jesus. He doesn't start anything until he knows, no, this is the way, walk in it. So he really has capacity to wait on God, which is very difficult, and it takes a great amount of emotional and spiritual maturity. Now, the reason I say that is it's one thing waiting on God, okay? If your plans aren't working out, if you can't get what you're trying to go after, and you're forced into a time of waiting, there's nothing you can do about that. It's very difficult. I've been there myself. It's very difficult. Um, it's, it's stressful. It takes, it's just hard to trust, right, when you don't know how long you're going to wait. That's one thing. We, there's nothing we can do about that when, when our circumstances force us into a time of waiting. That's not the kind of waiting that Jesus does. 
Jesus could move ahead, but he chooses not to. And that's what many of us have trouble with because we would really rather just move ahead, get going, start doing whatever we need to do. And then if we get into trouble, then we'll start to speak to God about that. In other words, we can be propelled by the wrong energies in any area, whether it's beginning a relationship, ending a relationship, sorting out a relationship, um, changing a changing jobs, beginning something new. Um, we can be propelled by the wrong energy. Jesus, before he begins his ministry, stops. No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until I'm given what I need. So it's like before I make the decision, before I make the change, before I begin something new, all of that, Jesus says, no, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the Spirit to come, the breath, the presence, the energy, call it what you will, but it's not just the usual mode of operation. Oh, and by the way, the, this Holy Spirit is, is definitely not limit, limited to baptism. Yeah, that's one place we see the Spirit. But, you know, later on, the Apostle Paul would teach, be filled with the Spirit. Don't tackle things all by yourself. In other words, we can ask the Spirit to fill us at any time, in any situation, for any conversation, for any decision, but first it takes, and sometimes it's just sheer self-discipline to stop and wait. It's like the same spirit that came upon Jesus is the one that helps us. It's kind of, kind of an amazing thing to think about, isn't it? The same spirit, the same Ruach, the same spirit that hovered on the waters of Genesis is the same spirit that is in us and around us and behind us and upon us. Isn't that incredible? The same spirit that gave Joseph the ability to do all the dream interpretation, the same spirit that gave the artistic genius to Betzelir, it's the same spirit. Yeah. The same spirit that gave insight to the savvy prophets. The same one who raised Christ from the dead. It's like, oh, goodness sake, you know, I mean, it's like, come Holy Spirit, right? I mean, when you start to think about the spirit and, and, and these kind of terms, it's like, oh, yes. Yes, I want this. I, I would like more of this. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, fill me. There's the prayer. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. Whatever we are called to do today, whatever it is that we're faced with today, before we do anything, there's the prayer. There's the heart cry. An open heart. Come Holy Spirit, fill me, give me everything I need for this moment. Well, thank you 
for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.